Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. They were as bad as the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. And that's what you think about that. These are the people of God that have received the law of God, deliverance from God, all these things that God has done for them, his special people set apart by God. And at this era, the era of the judges, they're as bad as the people in Sodom and Gomorrah in their era, where God said, I, I gotta just destroy this place. I mean, this happens in the area where there's the children of God, the children of Israel. These should be believers, but they're, no one's, everybody's doing what's right in their own eyes. Many of us have experienced manipulation within the church. Whether the experience involved you directly or it was something you witnessed, use of the scripture to manipulate is something that is far too common. In today's message, Pastor Bill explains that as Christians, someday there will be an account for our sins. If you're only talking the talk and not walking the walk, you're missing out on who God wants you to be. Live your life for Him and be saved. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Judges chapter 19 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Judges chapter 19, verse 1. It says, And it came to pass in those days when there was no king in Israel, that there was a certain Levite staying in a remote mountains of Ephraim. He took for himself a concubine from Bethlehem in Judah. So uh, I'm, I, I don't know if you caught it, but right, just right in the first verse, we see three things wrong. Uh, first off, it says, uh, it came to pass in those days, there was no king in Israel. And that might not reach you as strange, but that means that even God wasn't king. So they hadn't erected humans as kings yet. That's going to come later on through uh, in the book of Samuel. But at this point here, there's a, there's no king. There's no there's no one. They're not submitted to anybody. They just do whatever they want. And if you've ever seen a time, have you ever seen what it looks like when people just do what they want? It's chaotic. And it looks like the worst of the worst kind of rises to the top, you know. And so this is an era where there was no king. They would not submit to anybody. They weren't submitted to God. People just did whatever they wanted. And again, I would just challenge you to consider what, what our world would be like, much as as much as we can see the flaws in our government and flaws in our leaders and flaws in systems and so forth and so on. Imagine if they weren't there. Imagine if, imagine if they weren't there. Uh, as bad of things as I've seen cops do. Imagine if there were no cops. As bad of things as I've seen people in government do. Imagine if there was no government. I mean, we think we think what we see is bad. You know, we're being governed and overseen by you got sinners overseeing and governing sinners. And that's bad. But what if there was nobody to oversee and govern? If you imagine that. I remember when I was a kid, uh, we get those little glimpses where a teacher would leave the room. I mean, you had this you had perfect order. Everyone in a chair. There was perfect. You know, everything looked arranged and ordered. But, you know, teacher leave the room and there were just moments of. Everybody doing what they really had in their heart to do anyway. You know, just, you know, people ran laps through stuff, you know, just everything would happen. And then as you hear the, 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 the feet coming back down, there'd be order, come back into order. You know, this era, there was no king. There was nobody in charge. People just did what they wanted to do. Now, there's a Levite. We, last week, we saw a Levite that was all messed up. And, and uh, we got another messed up Levite, I should say. Why are these Levites out of pocket? Why aren't they at the temple? Why aren't they where they're supposed to be? Because nobody was doing what God required. So uh, the people weren't giving. 
So the temple wasn't had didn't have the, the the needs of the priests and the Levites weren't being met in the temple house of God like it should have been. So you had Levites and priests uh, out working, out doing various things, and so that doesn't make it okay with when they end up sinning. So this guy he does some things that he should not have done as a Levite, somebody that knew the law of God. So uh, we got this Levite that's up in the remote mountains of of of. Of Ephraim, and it says he took for himself a concubine from Bethlehem, Judah. Now, a Levite could have took a wife, but he took a concubine from Bethlehem, Judah. And it says in verse two that his concubine played the harlot against him and went back to her father's house. Let me just roll the tape back. Should he have had a concubine or should he have had a wife? Should have had a wife. So I would explain what's wrong with that. Uh, First of all, Concubine was almost like a, it was like a, it was accepted in culture as a legitimate mistress. It was acceptable in culture. There are some things that will be acceptable in our culture that are not acceptable to God. In our culture, if you get you a woman or a a woman get her a man, if y'all live together for enough years, what do they say you have? It's common law marriage. You guys are married. Boom. You guys got to get a divorce. You got to go to court and lose your stuff now. You know, live together long. If you you guys sin long enough, we're going to make it legit in law. Does God honor that? No. no. Can that couple say we're married now? The law say we're married. No. Y'all haven't took vows. Y'all haven't, you know. We, so there'll be things that are acceptable in society that are not acceptable in God's sight. This would be one of those. Because you see concubines throughout the Old Testament. And the Bible just tells on its heroes. The fact that we see people of faith, people that God used doing this does not mean that it was okay. God never uh, he never okayed this practice, but it was it was normal in society and acceptable in society. But I don't believe it was acceptable to God. Now, um, if you write notes and you want to have this for your own benefit, I got three verses from Leviticus 21. I'd like you to write down uh, that just give us some instruction about the, the, the Levites and the priests and who they couldn't couldn't marry. Uh, Leviticus 21 seven said they shall not take a wife who is a harlot or defiled woman. Nor shall they take a woman divorced from her husband, for the priest is holy to the Lord. And then in 2113, it says, and he shall take a wife in her virginity. And then in verse 14, a widow or divorced woman or defiled woman or harlot, these he shall not marry, uh, but he shall take a virgin uh, to be of his own people as his wife. So um, he could have married a wife uh, of his own people that was not that was a virgin that was not defiled. Defiled means that she's been with other men and she couldn't be a harlot. And so this guy takes a concubine that goes back and commits adultery on him and, and so forth and so on. Some other things happen here. So as a, if, if you were if you're writing this in your notes, some of the leaders in the past that have had concubines, though it's not right. Abraham had a concubine uh, that he went into. A lot of times these are women that were like servants or slaves and. They would have relations with them. Jacob did it. Caleb did it. Saul did it. David did it. Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines. Um, we all know that he he didn't just break the, the law. He obliterated the law. He just and he paid for it too. It cost him everything. Rehoboam did it as well. So we see it done. We see it practiced. But it was not something that was ordained by God or okay by God to do. So verse two, it says, but his concubine played the harlot against him. And she went away from him to her father's house at Bethlehem in Judah and was there for four whole months. So his wife cheated on him or his concubine cheated on him. And then she left to go back to her dad's house. And 
He would have been, I'm going to just say this now, I've read the story, you know, he would have been good to just let her go. <laughs> you know what, just count, he should have just took his lumps right there. Uh, it's it's going to be really bad what takes place from here, but this girl goes back to her dad's house and she stays there for four months. He's going to go in pursuit of her, which seems like a very noble thing uh, for him to do. Verse three, then her husband arose and went after her to speak kindly to her and to bring her back having his servant and a couple of donkeys with them. So she brought him into her father's house. And when the father of the young woman saw him, he was glad to meet him. Um, so we know that dad has never met this guy. This is not a normal marriage, right? Uh, I wouldn't meet my wife's dad for the first time after we had a breakup. And it's like, hey, nice to meet you. Good to see you. Her dad meeting him for the first time right now after his, after his daughter cheated and went back home. Her dad is happy to meet him. And I, I read this. I'm, this, is, this, is, this is not Bible. I'm just reading in a little bit. I wonder what kind of a daughter she was. I wonder if her dad, was, oh, praise God, you came back to get her. Whew, you know, she was wearing my house out. You know, I wonder if, I, that's what I wondered. I wondered if, you know, he's glad that, he, oh, he's coming back. And he's, he's coming back to get her back. Praise the Lord. Glad to see him coming. He was happy to see him. And we're going to see as we read on that the dad, her, the father doesn't want to let him go. He's there visiting. And every time he tries to leave, his father, hey, just hang out, man. Let's have eat and drink with me, man. Just, just hang out a little longer. So let's look at that. Verse four. Now his father-in-law, the young woman, detained him and he stayed with him three days. So they ate and drank and lodged there. So he stayed three days there, ate and drank, uh, lodged, hung out. Verse five. Then it came to pass on the fourth day that he arose, they rose early in the morning and he stood to depart. But the young woman's father said to the son-in-law, refresh your heart with a morsel of bread and afterward go your way. And you can just kind of see, he's just kind of like, hey, don't go yet, don't go yet. Um, I actually had this happen to me today. Uh, I was visiting with my dad and I said, I'm just gonna come real quick. And I, I, I mean, I did a quick visit after 30 minutes. I'm like, hey, I'm gonna get going, dad. I'm gonna get on up to the building. And I'm gonna get, now I'm trying to get going. And he starts saying something real heavy. And I was like, all right, let me sit down. Let me hear him out. And he finished up. And I was like, all right, hey, let me, let me, let me get ready to get going. And he said, hey, real quick, real quick, real quick. And he did it again. And I finally looked at my, I said, Dad, I got to go, man. And, and, and I was at the door. And he's like, well, wait, wait, well, just come real, let me show you something real quick before I go. Because he's going out of town tomorrow. Let me take care of something. And, um, and I was like, man, it's sometimes it's a trip when you're studying something that's on your mind that's happening. I'm like, that's I'm trying to leave, but he's like, wait, 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 one more time, you know? And it's your dad, what am I gonna do? No, dad, I'm, I, gotta, I gotta hear him out one more time, you know? And so her father-in-law's like, hey, come, come, eat this morsel of bread, man, can't you have something to drink? And sit down, man, eat this, you know? And, and he did, verse six. So they sat down and the two of them ate and drank together. Then the young woman's father said to the man, please be content to stay all night and let your heart be merry. And when the man stood to depart, his father-in-law urged him, so he lies there again. And then verse 8, so then they arose early the next morning on the fifth day to depart. But the young woman's father said, please refresh your heart. So they delayed until afternoon and both of them ate. And so they looked like they kept eating and drinking and then chilling out, eating and drinking. And, and, and the itis would hit them and they would sit back down and, and wait. And so verse 9 this is the fifth day. This, 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 this day, the guy said, man, I got to get home. That's enough, you know. So verse nine, and when the man stood to depart and his concubine and his servants, his father-in-law, the young woman's father said to him, look, the day is now drawing toward evening. Please spend the night. See, the day is coming to an end. Lodge here that your heart may be merry. Tomorrow 
go your way early so that you may get home. However, the man was not willing to spend that night. So he arose and departed and came to opposite Jebus, which is in Jerusalem. And with him were the two saddled donkeys. His concubine was also with him. So I want you to consider why this dad, why did it, I, I was, I read this and I'm thinking, why did the dad, why was he, was he lonely? Um, was dad trying to help them reconcile or he just liked the company? I don't know, but he just really didn't want him to go. This guy gets up the fifth day and he was ready to leave in the morning. He doesn't get to leave until evening. And so he's going to leave it. That's not really the time of day you start traveling. And so the day is going to start to end and they're not going to be home yet. And so um, that's kind of where the story picks up in verse 10. It says, however, the young man was not willing to spend that night. He arose and departed. He came to an area of Jerusalem and with him were his, his, his donkeys and his concubine. They went near Jebus and the day was far spent. And the servant said to his master, come, please let us turn aside into this city of the Jebusites and lodge in it. But his master said to him, we will not turn aside here into a city of foreigners who are not of the children of Israel. We will go on to Gibeah. So the day is far spent. It's getting close to evening. His servant says, man, we need to we need to spend a night somewhere. We shouldn't travel at night. And where they happen to be at that moment is an area of Jebusites. These are pagans or non-believers. So this guy says that the Levites said, no, we're not going to turn into this area where they're, they're not the children of Israel. They're, they're non-believers, let's say. No, we're going to go further. This sounds like a good thing. Right. And we're going to see that things were so bad in Israel at this time. It would have been better for him to go be with non-believers than to, than to go. He goes to be he's like, no, I'm not going to stop here and be with these pagans. I'm going over here with the people of God. I'm going to travel four miles further to be with the people of God and see what happens there. And what happens to him where he goes is so much worse than probably had he gone to be with the non-believers. And I, I read that and I just think, man, what a shame it is when. When believers are so bad or, or those that name the name of Christ are behaving in such a way that non-believers are living better lives, more pure lives than we are. And so, you know, I know that it feels that way when you see things happen in the body that are just shameful. And you're like, man, that's non-believers are, are, are appalled by that behavior right there. It's giving us a, a look at just how bad it was in Israel. The people of God were bad. They were not honoring God. They were not living the way that God wanted them to. And even though this guy says, hey, I'm going to go be with the believers, um, he's going to find that to be a, not a good thing. And I think sometimes as Christians, um, I know for me, there are times where I've, I've looked for, you know, I, you know you, you're doing business. You look for someone with a little fish. It's a Christian business, you know. <laughs> now, sometimes, sometimes. Sometimes it's actual Christians behind the Christian business, praise the Lord. But I've experienced also some people that were, you know, you look like they were, you know, but they weren't. I, uh, there was a time, I think when Mika was pregnant with Harmony. Yeah, she had a little Honda Accord. And when you would turn the wheel, it would go click, 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 click. And so she was like, I'm scared to drive it like that. I want to get it fixed. And she's pregnant. And I, I'm like, I'm going to get this fixed. My pregnant wife drive around this clickety clackety car. I'm going to get it fixed. <laughs> and at my church, somebody said, hey, there's a guy right down the street. He's a believer. You know, he takes care of a lot of people here. And I'm like, I'm going to go see the Christian mechanic. Going to tell me the truth about things. Going to give me a good deal, too, you know. 
And I went and saw the Christian mechanic and I, I left the car with them while I went to work and I came back and I kid you not. I, you know, it just went click, 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 click. He had a list for me when I got there. And he was like, well, this part here needs to be replaced and this part right here. And, and, I, and I told him when I got there, hey, man, I'm wife's pregnant and, you know, we're, we're on a small budget. So I need to get this fixed as cheap as possible. He had he had it was he had figured out a way to make this thing was over 700 bucks. And I was like that it's going to be continuing to clickety clack. I don't know what to tell you. So then I called my wife's brother and he does a lot of cars. And I said, hey, you got a mechanic anywhere over here? I can go. I got to get this car looked at. He sends me to another mechanic. Now, I kid you not. This is it's not I'm not exaggerating. These guys inspect her car. I got there after hours. It was after work. They were still there. They're having a beer. And they looked at the car and they said, oh, I know what that is. It's, it's, a, it's, a, uh, it's this part right here. You, you know, if you want to bring it back in the morning, I'll get one. I'll get a used part and put it on 60 bucks. And I thought, no way. I, I thought, no, no way. So I, I said, OK, you're on, let's do it. And I kid you not, I took her car back the next day, left it with them while I went to work. They did on the thing. I picked it up. No more clickety clack. 60 bucks. So I said, well, hold on. I showed them the list. I thought maybe they didn't do it right. Maybe it's going to fall apart on the highway. I said, I said, I went to another mechanic and he gave me this list of things. And the guy looked at my list and said, look, that part doesn't even exist on this model this year. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So I went up to that Christian mechanic and I, I beat him up. I'm just kidding. I didn't beat him up. I didn't beat him up. In my mind, I beat him up. Now, I told I told everybody that had ever recommended him, y'all don't ever recommend him again. He, he tried to rip me off. My pregnant wife, I was so offended. But anyway, it's a shame when supposed believers are are worse than the world. Because these were not believers, and they, they did me a solid. They did a cheat. They, you know, they got me out of there, and it never clickety-clacked again. And so I just, for 60 bucks, I was out the door, you know? Labor and use part and all, you know, so I'll never forget that. So moving on, it said, uh, so he, he, he lodged, he went to lodge in this area, verse 12, but his master said to him, we will not turn aside here into this city, but we're going to go on to Gibeah. Verse 13, so he said to his servant, come and let us draw near to one of these places and spend the night in Gibeah or Ramah. And they passed and went their way and the sun went down on them near Gibeah which belongs to Benjamin. So they finally get into an area that belongs to the people of God. Ah, oh, safety. We're in the area of Benjamin. You know, the people of God, they're going to do right by us. Not so. Verse 15. They turned aside to go in to lodge in Gibeah. And when they went in, he sat down in the open square of the city for no one would take them into his house to spend the night. Now, in this time, there was no hotels or anything like that. Uh, the practice of the day was you would go into the open square if you were stuck and the people there was a, the, the hospitality code of the people was it, it was your honor, it was your privilege to take someone that was you know without a place and you took them in, you lodged them, you fed them, you treated them with great hospitality. And so that was the custom of the day, that was the order, that was, that was a good thing. Uh, we're going to see that some of that custom goes too far. And I'll talk about that when we get to it. But that would have been good. But this is what we see that the Israelites are so bad that common courtesies aren't even being offered. This guy is out in the open square. He's like, OK, so somebody's going to see us here and, and, and offer us to come and stay and lodge. Nobody came. And they just they stayed out there for some time. And nobody was offering them a place to lodge for the night. Verse 16. 
Just then an old man came in from his work in the field at evening, who also was from the mountains of Ephraim. So this guy just so happened to be from the same area that this Levite was from in Ephraim. And he was staying in Gibeah, whereas the, the men of the place were Benjamites. So this guy is staying in the area of the Benjamites, but he's from another area. But, you know, verse 17. And when he raised his eyes, he saw the traveler in the open square of the city. And the old man said, where are you going and where do you come from? And so he said to him, we were passing from Bethlehem and Judah toward the remote mountains of Ephraim. I am from there. I went to Bethlehem and Judah. Now I'm going to the house of the Lord, but there is no one who will take me into his house. Although we have both straw and fodder, got food for our animals and for our donkey. We have bread and wine for ourselves, for your female servant and for the young man who is with your servant. There is no lack of anything. And the old man said, peace be with you. However, let all your needs be my responsibility. Only do not spend the night in the open square. Now, this guy is being hospitable. He says, hey, guys, come to my house. I don't want you to use any of your own. I'm going to feed your animals. I'm going to feed you guys. Come to my house and I'm going to take care of you guys. Uh, but he says, but just just don't stay in the open square. And as we read on, it becomes clear. This old man knew y'all don't know where y'all are at. Y'all are y'all. Y'all you don't want to sit out here. And I don't know if you ever had someone that maybe they don't know bad areas. And, you know, you take them to an area. I told you guys when Ben Corson was out here, he was like, dude, take me to the Nickerson's, the project. He wanted to go see the projects. And I'm like, we just left the airport. It's, it's 930. I said, we can't just be moseying on through the project, bro. We we'll just, just want to see it. You know, and I'm like, OK, well, I said, we're going to go. I'll take you to see it. We get there. Can we get out? No, no, we can't get out. Me, a black and a white guy walking through the window. No, we can't get out, man. He's like, well, come on, it's, it's such an adventure. I'm like, bro, you, you don't understand. I said, I'm gonna show you some videos on YouTube of people that walk through here. It's just not good, but you don't just you don't just get out with no you, know, you don't with no business to you don't just walk through the Nickerson that night. You know, you don't do that. But he didn't know no better. You know, I, I'm glad I was his tour guide and able to direct him. No, brother, you don't just come hang out here at 10 something at night. See what's going to happen. You know, uh, we, we'll never get the video to tell what took place. You know, so this old man says, you, you guys, you guys don't know where y'all at. He, when he asked him, where y'all from? Obviously, y'all not from here. Uh, just sitting out in the, in the square like you guys are. So he said, come on to my house. I'm going to take care of you guys. Thankfully, they finally found someone to show him some hospitality. Verse 21. So he brought them. He brought them to into his house, gave fodder to the donkeys and they washed their feet and they ate and they drank. And as they were enjoying themselves, suddenly certain men of the city, perverse men surrounded the house and beat on the door. They spoke to the master of the house, the old man saying, Bring out the man who came to your house that we may know him carnally. And so anybody remember another story that sounds almost just like this? Yeah. Lot. Lot, right? Sodom and Gomorrah. And this is the connection, right? We're seeing that at this time, the time of the judges, that in the land of Israel, the people of God, they were as bad as the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. And that's what you think about that. These are the people of God that have received the law of God, deliverance from God, all these things that God has done for them, his special people set apart by God. And at this era, the era of the judges, they're as bad as the people in Sodom and Gomorrah in their era. 
where God said, I, I got to just destroy this place. I mean, this happens in the area where there's the children of God, the children of Israel. These should be believers, but they're, no one's, everybody's doing what's right in their own eyes. We're so glad you joined us today on A Transforming Word, where Pastor Bill has been working his way through the eventful book of Judges. In this book, you hear about men and women of valor and courage who were willing to risk their lives, but put their faith in God to the test. Gideon is just one that comes to mind as he asked God to show him what he should do, and God showed up mightily. God delights in seeing your faith go big. Do you believe God for big things, or do you sink into believing that it's too difficult for God? God just waiting to see you ask and trust Him for things in faith. Maybe you'll have a faith story that equals some of these people in the book of Judges. A Transforming Word is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. If you're in the area, we love to see you in person. We have services on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. and a midweek service on Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. You can also find us online at calvaryinglewood.org. Once again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. Under the teaching tab, you'll find links to our messages. While you're at the website, why not download the mobile app? You'll get access to all our messages so you can have them on the go. If you haven't found what you're looking for on our website, feel free to call us at 310-245-4811. That's 310-245-4811. Our time with you is up for today, but thanks for listening. We look forward to next time as we hear a transforming word.